Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, May 11th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Elon Musk says he'd let Donald Trump back on Twitter. I would reverse the perma ban. I'll say I'm not, I don't own Twitter yet, so this is not like a thing that will definitely happen, because what if I don't own Twitter? And global investment banks finally had themselves a good year in China. Plus, the Philippines just elected a new president. We'll explain why the new guy might seem pretty familiar. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Elon Musk was the starring guest at an FT Live event yesterday called The Future of the Car. But the Tesla CEO broke more news talking about social media. Specifically, Twitter, the social media company he plans to buy. Musk said that Twitter's move to ban Donald Trump last year was a mistake. I think it was a morally bad decision, to be clear, and, and foolish in the extreme. And Musk said yesterday he would reverse that ban. To talk more about his comments, I'm joined by the FT's West Coast editor, Richard Waters. Hey, Richard. Hey, Mark. Nice to talk to you. Okay, so just a reminder, Twitter banned Trump last year after the January 6th Capitol insurrection. What did you make of what Musk said about putting Trump back on Twitter? Yeah, I mean, you know, this question about about Trump and the Trump ban has become, you know, this huge obstacle, I think, that's getting in the way of a, of a serious discussion about, about how you moder- moderate content and keep hate speech and misinformation off social networks. And, you know, I think at some point, Twitter is going to have to say, you know, maybe even before Musk takes over, who knows, um, you know, this was a mistake, you know, getting past this Trump ban will be a good thing. I think if, you know, if Musk says, look, let's reverse that, let's let Trump back on, then then there'll be a more serious discussion about how you control the rest of the discussion. And Musk himself, he said, look, I'm not averse to suspending people's accounts. I'm not averse to uh, limiting who can see their tweets if they're saying bad things. So, you know, actually, in some ways, he's going some way towards what Twitter is already doing. So while a lot of the headlines yesterday were about Twitter, uh, a lot of the conversation was about cars, right? It's the future of the car event. And of course, Tesla. And as Musk was talking, I noticed that Tesla share price shot up. Um, even though Musk said this. Even before there was uh, the supply chain issues, Tesla uh, demand exceeded production. Now, now it's demand is exceeding production to a ridiculous degree. We're actually probably going to just stop taking orders for, for anything beyond uh, a certain period of time because some of the timing is like a year away. Uh, so. We're going to have to probably stop taking orders. Um, you know, that doesn't seem like a great thing. What did investors hear that they liked so much? Well, you know, the demand side of life, um, as we know, is is through the roof. And, you know, there is no there is no limit to the orders that are coming in at the moment. Um, they can take as many as they want, but they're only going to write them on a list because they can't fulfill them. And we, we know that. Um, but anyway, going back to the share price, you know, I think the, the real signal here was was Musk saying, look, I've been talking to the government in China about the lockdown in Shanghai that's causing problems in Tesla's plant there. And this is Tesla's biggest plant. And it's been shut down recently by the lockdowns and it's caused some real unease 
Musk didn't say a lot, but he said, I've talked to the government. They're telling me that, you know, they're going to start to relieve the lockdowns. And I think in the coming weeks, this won't be a problem. And I think that was enough for people to think, you know, at least it doesn't seem to be getting worse. And maybe this will be past them soon. Now, supply chain issues prompted another question, whether or not Tesla would buy a mining company, any mining company. You know, Tesla needs lithium to make its car batteries, but it's been hard to secure supplies. And Musk didn't rule out that possibility of buying a mining company. We will address whatever the limitations are on accelerating the world's transition to sustainable energy. Uh, It's not that we wish to buy mining companies, but if that's the only way to accelerate the transition, then we will will do that. This turned out to be big news. Uh, How come? We know that there's a shortage of lithium. There isn't a shortage of lithium in the ground. There just isn't enough uh, that's been refined and produced and ready to put in batteries. And that is one of the big obstacles that he and other electric car makers face. It's going to get much worse in the next couple of years. And Musk has made various noises in the past. You know, he was asked whether he would actually just go out and buy a mining company. And, you know, he said, look, everything is on the table because we're looking at this incredible kind of scaling up to possibly even 20 million cars a year by the end of the decade from a million now. And, you know, he knows that there just isn't the capacity in these alternative energy supply chains to do anything like that. And so, you know, he really is, I think, um, you know, everything is on the table and that is one possibility. Richard Waters is the FT's West Coast editor. He covers all things tech. Thanks, Richard. Sure. Nice to talk, Mark. For the first time, global investment banks made a profit in China. This comes after years of losses or meager returns. The FT looked at bank reports from 2021 and found that six of seven banks eked out profits. Morgan Stanley was the first Wall Street bank to create a partnership in mainland China way back in 1995. It finally made a profit last year of just four and a half million dollars. Others made similarly modest profits. Now, this comes after Beijing recently changed its rules to allow the global banks to take full control of their operations and expand in China. It's still not 100% smooth sailing for these banks, but they're hoping that the recent market opening might finally mean more consistent returns. The Philippines has a new president. Ferdinand Bongbong Marcos Jr. is the son of the dictator who ruled the country from the 1960s to the 1980s. That Marcos is known for looting billions from state funds and being chased out of the country. But during this campaign, his son spun Marcos Sr.'s presidency as a golden age of prosperity. And he won by a large margin. Many of the voters who ended up supporting him in the current election weren't even born or, or if they were, weren't of age uh, during the dictatorship. So they have no, no memory of, of the reality of the Marcos years. That's the FT's John Reed. There's been generally kind of a, a, a shift in Filipino political opinion towards populism and towards more, I hesitate to use the word uh, conservative, but more hardline policies the desire for a strong leader, and a bit of you know, misplaced nostalgia for the dictatorship of, of the Marcos era. Marcos Jr. will replace populist strongman Rodrigo Duterte. John Reed says not to expect much change on foreign policy. The younger Marcos hasn't been clear on his plans for the economy either. He actually did not take part in any you know, debates and his promises in, in terms of policymaking have been very thin indeed. 
Um, so we struggle to really understand what he'll do. I think it's a safe bet to say that he will probably pursue the same kinds of market-friendly policies that pretty much every government for the past 20 years has, continuing market reforms, continuing pro-business policies. There may be a bent towards giving some favors out to um, specific constituencies and allies, which is a, a constant in the Philippines. But generally, the people I speak to think that it will be a pretty market-friendly government. It's worth remembering that before the pandemic, uh, the Philippines was one of the fastest-growing economies in Southeast Asia. Current indicators is bound to continue that way. John Reed covers Southeast Asia for the FT. Before we go, Nintendo yesterday said it's going ahead with a 10 to 1 stock split, effective this fall. Investors will automatically get nine shares for every one. Of course, the stock's price will be slashed accordingly as the number of shares on the market multiplies. The split will make Nintendo shares more affordable for retail investors. The company behind Super Mario Bros. and The Legend of Zelda also projected a 29-year-on-year decline in net profit for this fiscal year and warned that global chip shortages would continue weighing on production of its popular Switch console. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.